0: Hello. Hi.
1: How's it going?
0: Good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself?
0: I'm okay.
1: Surviving. Where Where are you at right now?
0: I'm in uh, New York.
1: Okay. Yeah. the west side.
0: Um, it's actually nice today. It's not as humid as it has been for the last couple of days. You know.
1: But otherwise, it's the same filthy city. Right, right. Well, I I like that filthy city, though. I like the filth of it, but I think every city has a filth, right? I mean, there's always filth everywhere. I mean, it comes with the beauty. Beauty and filth go hand in hand, I guess. But uh, I love New York. I, I haven't been to New York in a long time. It kind of closed in on me. Maybe like eight years ago, it just kind of like... I got claustrophobic and it just hasn't been the same, but I I feel like it's coming back because I really was there a lot and kind of downloaded it very, very quickly. And, um, you know, our label was there and a lot of business was there when I was coming up and there was always things to be done there, interviews, uh, television, these sorts of things. But then I think maybe I just, ate it too quick and it just didn't agree for a moment but I'm feeling my New York vibe coming back hardcore
0: yeah well I'm uh, I'm originally from Toronto Canada so I moved here seven, almost seven years ago and it takes I find that it take took me about a year to feel kind of get over the culture shock but there's something about living here that you feel like if you can kind of deal with everything that's thrown at you, then you're going to come out a stronger person, you know, because a lot of it, especially if you have no money, um, you know, living here is, uh, you know, you have to learn how to survive, you know, and there's so much you have to negotiate in order to kind of feel like you're staking your claim here. So it's challenging, but it's also rewarding in the end.
1: Do you think it's uh, – do you believe and feel it's much different from – did you say – you said Toronto? Did you say Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so obviously, you know, you're from there, so that's – I'm just going to loosely say that's home. Um, is it just greatly different, United States, New York City?
0: You know, you. I thought that it wasn't because, you know, before I moved to uh, – New York, I was, you know, going back and forth to the States quite a bit for, you know, journalism work and whatnot. And, um, but when you actually live here, there's a lot of differences in terms of just cultural differences, Um, how people, you know, act and react is, is different. I do like the fact that in New York City, people say it as it is, like you never, people are very harsh. Um, and they're very to the point, and they don't take any BS, and I do love those, um, you know, those aspects of kind of how people, because there's just so many people crammed into, you know, a relatively tight space, you've got to kind of fight or claw your way. (laughs) I'm sounding melodramatic. Um, You know, it's a struggle, and so I think that, you know, in Toronto, it's definitely, you know, a regular city, you know, busy city, but it is definitely way more passive aggressive than it is um, there than it is in New York. So I'm kind of glad to kind of be away from that stuff.
1: I I agree with you about the no BS meter in New York. However, I've always felt uh, I've always felt That that sort of mindset, um, I felt it was acceptable from anyone born and raised, but anyone not from New York and abiding by that attitude, I felt it was just as contrived on someone's dream. Like everyone gets in a mindset. Like I feel like right now I've been saying a lot. I feel like everybody's right because everybody's wrong and i just don't have time for that you know so in new mm-hmm. york it's like cool it's like cool everyone is no bullshit but because of that you're missing everything and that that's just how i felt like i just felt like wow you don't take a moment you want to feed me the line of like move 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 that's cool it's going to move right past you i love that attitude in new york i've learned so much i have a lot of mentors there uh, I have a lot of really good friends born and raised there. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. However, sort of like Los Angeles, you know, you go to Los Angeles and it's got this sort of, uh, I'm going to take what I want and do what I want sort of thing. And nobody's from there, you know, no one's from there. So it's hard to kind of, it's kind of a hard to abide by these sort of social, um, restraints, when you're not even from there, you know what I mean? So that, that's how I feel. But New York was, I mean, is always like that, straight to the point. I've always loved how when you're on the street, you can look someone in the eye, and it's like you, get, you both have that one moment to acknowledge, and then it just goes from there. It, it seems like there's no other eye contact I notice. It's just like a look once and then go on. And uh, L.A. tends to be a little bit uh, different, I think. You know, it could be lots of looks for a long period of time. I don't know. It's funny. Yeah, well, it's, you know.
0: yeah, I mean, <clears throat> here, if you look more, I mean, you know, I, okay, I do, I do agree that, like, one thing that I knew, and I moved to New York when I was in my 40s, which I'm very glad I did. Because I came in knowing that I'm not a New Yorker, I'm Canadian, I'm here for a reason, and there's a certain level of respect you have to give to, and I I lived for the first five years here in Brooklyn. So in Brooklyn, and I lived in not the greatest part of Brooklyn, but you just learn very quickly that you have to have respect for your community, the community that you live in that, you know, basically I am a gentrifier or I was a gentrifier back then, a black gentrifier, but one still, and that you can't impose your judgment values on people Um, because you have to understand that the way how people have grown up here is vastly different than my upbringing. And so it would be foolish of me to come in and say, you know, how come there's so many, you know, crackheads on the street, you know, how dare they, or this is ruining my neighborhood instead of, and then you have to take a step back and say, let's look at the socioeconomic issues within this community. Am I as a gentrifier uh, uh, contributing to this? Or like, and you know, you have to have, you don't have to necessarily like or understand everything, but I do believe in respect. And, you know, New York City demands respect. Um, especially the people that you get to know over the time who have lived here for generations, who have just worked from the bottom up and you have to listen to their perspectives, And, and that's how you learn and how you understand how, you know, special the city really is and how you can really grow as a person living here. It's just not an easy road, you know?
1: I, I 100% agree. I love you know, I was born, I'm born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa, Midwest boy. Uh, lots of farms, agricultural stuff around. Lots of business. I'm from the city, um, and I always wanted to go to New York for these reasons of the cultures, uh, all the, all the cultures coming in from different places and, and building lives and stuff. Growing up, my parents always talked about. It, but I absolutely agree with you. I mean, it's a no bullshit place. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful place. You do have to understand there's so many people and so many different, like, ideas. And it's really cool how you say it. You know, it's, uh, I wish more people would take the time to notice where they stand. I do something just the the same. Like, I get up every day, and when I go outside, I ask myself, what the fuck is really going on? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care about the mailman and and the, you know, the, the lawn and these things. I'm like, what is going on? You know, what is really happening here? So I like that you're like, you know, plant your feet, admit you are or are not from a place, take a look around, try to put yourself in a situation that someone else maybe is in, try to, I don't really like the saying, you know, walk in someone's shoes because what if the shoes don't fit? You know what I'm saying? That, that That's a yeah. difference right there that's a deterrent right there. You know what I mean? None of us were born with shoes. So let's, let's just alleviate that, but let's just say walk in someone's shoes. So that's really good. I mean, I think that's uh, I think that's something we all get away from is like that, the, that aspect of uh, just reminding ourselves, like, I guess I compare it to like road rage. now I'm 51 years old and I will not, I never had like real bad road rage, but I might, I might say things about people I shouldn't just in private just because I'm bad, you know. And, and I say things, and I probably say it in private because I get away with it, and it makes me feel better and whatever. But then one day it hit me, you know, you grow older, you grow wiser. And I realized, you know, this person in front of me, their parents might be in hospice right now. They may have been diagnosed with cancer. Maybe they got new puppies and they're, you know, peeing all over the floor like mine are. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. these things. So, you know, I just let it go. I don't have time for that because I really don't know what the other person is dealing with. Is what I'm getting at. And I, so I like what you said about just kind of stopping and going. Okay, what what's going on here? You know, and I try to do that a lot more too. Seems like it helps. A conversation better it's like a piece you know it's like a it's a small moment of a deep breath of of not not accusing or anything just taking in the knowledge you know so I like that that's really good it's a good thing for me to think about today I think
0: yeah well I think anyway. also like you know if you are if you have been judged you know you know how it feels to have been unfairly judged and you know the pain and the hurt and, you know, whatever. And so why would you want to impose that on somebody else, you know? Um, it's like, it's just trying to figure, it's trying to kind of come to terms with who you are, what you've experienced, and just saying, you know, I I didn't like it when someone did that to me, so I don't, like, why would I do that to somebody else? Because, you know, the majority of us, or well, right now maybe 50% of us, we... You know, we're nice people. We don't want to intentionally hurt people. And I think just thinking about that really helps in terms of how you interact with others here.
1: Well, well, in, in, I think just in, in life on the globe in general, I mean, you hit on the most, I think throughout my whole career, I've always sort of paraphrased, I don't know, but tried to get into the same concept that you just said is that the bottom line the bottom line it can't really be fought i mean it's just i don't know if it's common sense but i mean it it seems to be reality any way you you cut it but 50% of the world and i like your opt i like that you went 50-50 i mean i think everybody wants to be optimistic and say 60 70 80 you know but the reality is honestly up is only up with down On is only on with off, so on, so forth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So 50% 50 of the world right now on this entire globe, this big piece of dirt with water, 50% of the humans love me or like me, and 50% of the world would care less, don't care what Mm -hmm. happens, could care less. That is... A starting point in my mind, it's always been a starting point. Because early on in my career, there were so many people held on to an emotion. And emotions and feelings are chemical, and they're making them themselves. So the feeling could have been jealousy, hatred, anger, um, fear, whatever it was. But we had a lot of angst against us just because of just how hardcore we came out. And Mm -hmm. I caught it right away. I caught it right away. The bottom line is I can't make everybody happy, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste my time or my breath. Focusing on something that cannot be altered because you cannot have up without down. It's just the way it is. So I don't know how much of a possibility as a human I have to convince the other 50% to actually come on this 50%. I don't think it's humanly possible. It doesn't seem to be possible in any sort of system on the entire planet. And humans are the worst of it. So it's like, um, you know. But I agree with you. And that's just something I've always, I mean, apply that to any city, Los Angeles, Dublin, um, Berlin, wherever it is, it's just kind of how you're rolling. You know, so I just to continue and end my thought, I try these days for me, I try to spend 24 hours a day around the 50 percent of life that 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 I can cooperate with that, that makes me feel good. And anytime Mm -hmm. I'm away from that, anytime I'm away from that, it shows itself immediately. I'm like, Oh, yep. Here's that. Here's a part of that percentage is just bullshit for my day. And, uh, Mm -hmm. anyway, you know, it it feels good to try and focus on a little more. Um, I don't know, call it your 50%. Not try to like, right preach or anything. I'm just like I thought it was interesting that you you brought it to the 50 right away. So, anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you miss home?
0: Uh, not really. <laughs> I hope my That's parents okay. Um, not really. You know, it's it's I think that for what I was, you know, as a music journalist, as somebody who's um, you know, I I I only write about metal. Really um and you know, for what I was doing in my life in my career, I had to be here and I think that um also in terms of being uh, you know black and in Canada and really struggling in some ways um i was i really I really needed to live in a black community, I needed to live in a community that was densely diverse not just african americans but like right now i live in washington Heights, so i live in an afro-dominican uh latino neighborhood and i love just being around just a diverse collection of people because in canada i felt like i always stood out and not in a positive way and um i was just kind of tired of i'm just like there's got to be something better than this like i just I just felt like I was trying to, you know, or I, I was I was told or suggested to conform to a certain way of thinking and being as, um, you know, as a Black Canadian, as somebody with Caribbean blood. And I just was never really, I was just never happy there. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm a PhD student now, so, you know, I wouldn't say my life is particularly happy right now, but it's a lot easier And I just feel like I can be myself here in the States. Um, And in Canada, I just felt like I was just so easily dismissed. And here, there's just more opportunity for people to kind of, you know, the people that you meet to go, okay, cool, you're into metal. All right, cool. You know, instead of this, oh, my God, you're weird, there's something wrong with you. And, you know, because I've been writing about the genre and doing other things within, like, the mute, the metal scene, um, I was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. So, for that reason, I don't really miss living in Canada. And I feel it's not – I think I've been really struggling with this. Like, you know, I'm 50, I, you know, and I have been really struggling the last couple of years with trying to figure out, like, where is my home? Where am I from, you know, because I never felt like I was I never felt that uh Toronto, especially Toronto or where I grew up, which is a town called a um, city called Kingston, Ontario, I never felt like that was my home ever. So I'm still trying to search for this place of calmness and this place of just being me, just outside of all the isms of just trying to figure out or trying to find a space about you know who i am as a person. And it's it's sad that at this age, you know, i'm still kind of trying to navigate this, but it's also it's it's awesome too because it gives you a sense of freedom that you're always discovering, you're always trying to find places and spaces that really uh speak to you. Just unfortunately for me, i just haven't quite found that yet.
1: Do you think it's outside of New York City?
0: I have no idea. You know, with this COVID situation, I was stuck in New York. I actually got, I got COVID in March and I was sick for two months. And, you know, I have elderly parents and my whole family is in Canada now. And, you know, people were like, oh, you should go home. You should go back and, you know, go to Canada, whatever. And I'm just like, I can't, you know, I'm defending my dissertation. Proposal, (laughs) you know, I've got work to do here. I I can't, and and it and I think it was just that that couple of months that made me kind of go, well, yeah, where would I go? You know, I'm thinking of Europe. I thought Europe would be cool, but right now, the way how the world is, I don't particularly feel comfortable anywhere. You know, I want a place where I'm not going to get you know harassed, or I'm not going to, or people aren't going to. You know make assumptions on my Body you know without getting to know Me first and I'm Gonna have to think about that for a little while Because right now I honestly don't know
1: Do you think the Whole world's like that you think the whole World makes assumptions I have Not been to every spot on the globe Not even close won't ever Be able to in a lifetime To fully answer that but I Mean do you believe That everywhere is the same
0: For me I believe right now, I, um, I'm i very leery. Um, I think that if I were, you know, to go to a Caribbean island, maybe things would be fine. Um, but it's also, will- are you willing to take that chance? I mean, some people, you know, some people don't think, I tend to overthink things. And I think some people will just pack up their bags and go somewhere. And I just don't want to pack up my bags and go somewhere thinking that it's going to be this weird, you know, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, manna from heaven and then get there and then realize that all the same BS that I was trying to leave behind is there. So I think it has more to do with your positionality and who you are and how you deal with the environment around you. And as I get older, I'm becoming a little bit more curmudgeonly. So I'm sort of like, And now I'm a little hesitant. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. You know, I have traveled Um, like you. There's no way in hell I'm going to get to every country that I want to go to. Um, Maybe one day I will. But I've been enough. I've had enough experiences to be a little uh, wary. Let's put it that way
1: for sure. Well, do you like humans in general?
0: Um. Is that a trick
1: question? <laughs> Sorry. No. no uh. Let me. Let me. No. 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 Let me. Let me. Let me be on. Let me be honest. Let me. There's no tri- trick questions here with me or the Electric Theater. There's no drama, angles, nothing like that. Just genuine interest and conversation between two people that don't know each other and could get down any wormhole for any reason, not good or bad, just different. I asked because my next question was going to be. Let's say you say, you know, I generally don't like humans, don't really tend to be around them. I would say my next question was going to be, have you considered a tiny home and a truck and get off the grid and just, I'm very interested in off the grid uh, way of life, not political, not religious, not cult, not militia, nothing other than sinking my human feet into the earth and realizing that I come from somewhere much deeper than what was brainwashed into my being from the moment they picked my pricked my finger for blood when I was an infant and fingerprinted me and took my footprints and all that bullshit started right then. And so these days I'm very interested in finding space can be obtained for hours, and, and you know, bees, flowers, streams, could be a city. Uh, there's all these wonderful sort of, besides federally regulated parks like Yellowstone or what have you, um, you also have a, a million other things, like here in Des Moines, a couple miles from my, where I live right now, in the most northern suburb, we have a spillway. So there's a big dam and the lake's on one side and the spillway's on the other. It releases the water when it floods. But anyway, you can camp right by there. And most people, I would think, if they like to go out and be adventurous, it would be a great spot for one night. You might not stay there a whole week, but it's something and the vibe and all that. So I I was only asking because maybe maybe your place is all places. Maybe you come from everywhere.
0: Yeah, I I mean it's weird because I I do like people and I think that because of the work I do where I'm I'm really I just I love uh teaching undergraduate students or high school students and dealing with young people. I really enjoy what I learn from young people. Um so I like the idea, I like kind of the interactions I can have. But I think I would be one of those people that would probably want to get a tiny house or do some traveling um, or just be in a remote place because I feel that kind of being in those spaces of beauty, of nature, of calmness, um, of clear water, I think that it's really important for the human psyche. I think that um, if, if, it, if it was a perfect world, everyone should kind of be able to take some time out of their lives and just be still. Um, Because especially now, like what's, what's going on is like, we need that. We actually need that space. We need that space to keep ourselves sane. But unfortunately a lot of us can't access that space. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I like to think of my, I mean, I guess I'm just, I, I struggle between, Wanting to be a nomad and also the traditional kind of nuclear family that I was raised in, but I haven't gotten myself right now. And so I'm always, you know, trying to navigate kind of like, do I want to get married and get a house? And, oh, that would mean I'd have to be in one place for more than five or ten years. And then I start, you know, feeling panic about that. So I don't really know, but um, I do like working with people. Um, I do like talking to people, but I also don't really like people that much. <laughs> either. And it's just, I love humans, but sometimes the human condition can be a little bit exhausting.
1: I agree. I mean, I'm fascinated and have been since I was a child with the animal kingdom. maybe growing up in the 70s was National Kingdom and, you know, National Geographic and Wild Kingdom and all these shows that were designed around, like, the education of that stuff. And then, you know, as we grow older, then it became, you know, The Crocodile Hunter, who I love, and and all that kind of stuff. But it it seems like it came a little more flashy than the, the hardcore because I grew up watching hyenas eat baby elephants, and mm-hmm. I would cry, and I would ask to change the channel, and I would cry, and, and my dad would basically break it down to life's realities. And mm-hmm. humans just fuck it all up. You know what I mean? It's, it, I, the animal world's brutal, and I just don't think we could ever handle that. And we oh, just no. got away. We all got away from because we're killers. We're animals. Mm-hmm. We're at the top yep. of the, the food chain. But like we brainwashed ourselves to, um, um, you know, everything that we wanted to. This is my thoughts. You know, it's like everything we wanted to learn, we denied ourselves. Everything we weren't supposed to learn. Every time we learn something, it's like we're denying ourselves the ability to to learn. I had someone in sobriety tell me once. And um, I got uh, alcoholism in the family and, you know, and I grew up with it my whole life. And this friend of mine said this once out loud, said, hey, clown, you ever think of what it's like when you're sober and every day you wake up sober and after many days and possibly many years, do you think your brain wakes up more to the reality of what this is? And I just thought that was fascinating because, you know, it's easy to be bad, but it's almost impossible for some people to be good. It's just, it's so hard to follow what we consider good. But anyway, I just always felt, you know, with all that said, I just figured we always deny ourselves what we really are. And that's why the Mm -hmm. human thing, I I think all of us have a distaste for each other. Because if you look in the animal world, I mean, it's very serious world. It's unforgiving. I mean, you just watch a hawk fly off with a little baby bunny, and, you know, what it does to us, the rage or just the fear or the tears, you know. I mean, the, so we just deny even thinking about any of that, any of it, and then we've created our lives, you know. And it's, right. Uh, I bring this up because I like I got I don't own a tiny home but I camp and can sleep outside I make tree structures you know all this stuff just just to you know be that nomad or whatever but I I say it because I feel like I feel like everyone has the opportunity in life to change their life right now right this Mm -hmm. second we don't want to believe that but at the same time I don't. I do believe that not everybody has the ability to have the space, but I do absolutely 100% believe everyone can go obtain the space. Obtaining the space doesn't have to be monetary. It has to be potentially spiritual and mental. Could be physical, but you know everyone could just get out and go obtain a space. Maybe not own it. Maybe not always have to be able to get to it. But I think we've forgotten these things. You know, I mean, yes, people have to work. They can't get away from work. That's what's up. But if you sleep, you can, you can, you can get outside your space to get another space is all I'm saying. And those tiny homes always fascinated me because you pull them on wheels and we think we need the toilet. We think we need the shower. We think we need the stove. That's okay. Take it. Load it down for a week or two at some friend's land or something. Get a whole different mindset and move on. I just right. I think that's. A, I think that could be something everybody needs to do right now. Besides, think they got to be inside and just spend time with the family. Because I question how many people are really living by that, rather than just saying it. Because it feels like something Mm. all I should say when we're being asked. Oh, you know, this is okay because I'm spending more time with the family. But are you really, are you Mm -hmm. really, really, really spending time with the family? You know? Right. I don't know. Space. Space is very important right now.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I've been, uh, I mean, I've been slightly, I mean, I've been mildly resentful. Um, being in New York this summer that, you know, I have friends who will be like, oh, yes, I went to the Hamptons or, you know, we we rented a cottage here and there. And, you know, we just had to get by the lake, they say, you know, by the lake. And it's, I, I you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, you envy while well, you're like, good for you. I'm glad you did it. Part of me is just resentful because, you know, I can't do that right now. Maybe, maybe one day I will, but, you know, I can't do that. So you're right. You have to think about other ways to kind of create the space, this, you know, metaphysical or, you know, metaphorical space for you um, in whatever you do and whatever, wherever you find yourself situated in, you know, as a, as a form of survival, you know. Um, it it is. There's a lot of stigma too about COVID where you are people are like, "Oh yes, I, you know, people have moved home to take care of their parents or moved home to save rent." And everybody is like, It's you know, yes, uh, oh, you're doing a great thing. You're spending time with family, whatever." But there, if there was issues within the family unit or issues within the relationship that you have before the COVID virus, um how do you think they're going to be now when you're cooped up with somebody that you've got some interpersonal issues with so you still have to find that kind of space for yourself because the environments that might or society tells you that are spaces that you should be enjoying or that you're expected to enjoy they're most of the time that they're not and that's when people get you know very very depressed and upset and don't
1: know what to do. Well, I think also people forget that there's space in, you know, a crack is space in between two, two stones. You know, I mean, I, you you don't have to have a thousand acres to get away. You don't have to have a tiny home. You don't even have to put on some running shoes and running shorts to get out. You don't, you don't have to have an umbrella you don't have to have a map or GPS or even a phone to get out. There's all sorts of cracks. Uh, climb a tree. Just do it. Climb a tree. There's a space. When's the last time you climbed a tree? You know, anybody. Just climb a tree. You got a different uh, perspective on what, what's going on from down to up. So I've always believed, like, I used to be into this stuff where, you know, it's it's snowing out. I need, some, I need some depth. You know, it's snowing out. It's overcast. I can't see the sun. It's been like this for, you know, how many ever days? It's wintertime. It's February. It's, you know, it's psychological. That's why they came up with 48 days in February because that's got to be the suicide month. Give it another three days. You're really making things hard in February. So mm-hmm. what do I do? Go out, Go out to like a pond, walk out onto it blow the snow away with my hands and feet, lay on my back, realize I got 15, 25 foot underneath me, just there, Mm -hmm. but put some depth in between me and everything, so there's space everywhere, there's space to obtain, I just don't know why we don't know it anymore, I read something and watched this big time money guy who's one of those dudes, you know, Fortune 500 guys, and he was He was more of a tech guy and an educational guy. And he was saying that in the future, the not-so-far future, that if children in school don't learn how to code, they're not going to be able to express themselves. And I thought, (laughs) well, here we go. You know, we're locking ourselves in this space. And, you know, up until this point, you could put on headphones, grab a guitar, play drums, do something in a space that you're confined, you know, that you're stuck in or whatever. But I just feel like we're getting forced into spaces, you know. I just feel like it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And uh, everyone needs to find some more, you know, area, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, definitely, I think, I don't know if this is a good example of what you were saying, but I was thinking about my space or the space I create for myself on a regular basis. And I listen to music. I just find like, I go onto YouTube and just go down a rabbit hole for about two hours of just discovering, you know, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to that anyway, but I find that that's my happy place. And that's where I actually, if I'm listening to, you know, an old rainbow song or something that uh, Dio did, you know, with um, oh geez, Deep Purple. You know, I'm trying to go through the whole discography of, of uh, Black Sabbath and go off and find all the solo recordings from all of the singers and all the vocalists that they had they had over the last fifty years or so. And so I just I get so much joy and being like, oh my God, you know, this is great, or oh his voice, or he, you know, who's better, Dio or Ian Gilliam as a vocalist, or You know, what happened with uh, David Cloverdale and why did he transition to Whitesnake? And look at the, you know, musical comparisons between them and, you know, the the 1980s kind of, you know, hair metal heyday. This nerdy stuff like that, it just, that really kind of center. it centers me in terms of what I like to do and who I am. And I'm able to drown out the outside world and drown out like you know whatever is going on in my life just for that 2 hours of just listening and discovering music or you know rediscovering music that i hadn't listened to in like 20 30 years and so that's how i do mine right now and it, and it really works it's, it's very therapeutic for me
1: well that you know knowledge is something you give so it's a it's a common common Goal, really right there. Yeah, I mean, regardless, I guess, of the space, whether it's nature or underwater or on the World Wide Web, whatever, that space is so important. So that's awesome that you have that, that you can go down that wormhole. I I do... I do a lot of similar things, you know um, I let music find me You know, I love music's the only god I know It's the only thing that's been there every moment of my life And never not been there when I needed it And I don't even need to listen to it to have it, you know And anybody who loves music understands that So I totally agree and I, I go on uh, I get a little more frustrated Because somehow, you know, all these pathetic companies With their fucking algorithms, you know Cool. Good for you. Good for all of you people. That's awesome. I think all of you have forgotten you're human, too. So I hope you get hit with your own games. So what happens is I'll start down that wormhole, but somehow it ends up on me. I'll see my dumb face talking some dumb shit, and I'll be like, okay. And I just I got to turn everything off in the house, and I got to take the dogs for a walk because – all of a sudden, some interview from like, you know, 2005 comes on. I couldn't even recollect where I was, let alone what the hell I'm talking about. That moment in time with people pressing me to attack me to either go against my own members or go against metal or go against, you know, anything they can do to divide and conquer. You know, that's what's been my whole career is just let's pick apart the knot. In some way, and find the drama because they're not that great. And I'm sorry, we are that great. So it's whatever anybody wants to say, but uh, that's been the fight the the whole time is just the the whatever. So I love going down going down the the road looking for new stuff. I let it find me. You know, I'll, I'll be on something, and you know, I like all the glitches and stuff. So like, in, I I knew this guy's name was Doug Keo. And he worked at Roadrunner Records. And he gave me this gift. When iTunes first kind of sort of came on, I had done this album on Roadrunner called To My Surprise. Mm-hmm. And I'd always go into Roadrunner, and I'd always go into Doug's office, and I'd be like, we would talk. We'd just get in these mad conversations. And I, I really respect this gentleman. And so I asked him one day, I said, hey, what do you think? You know, I've been waiting for you to bring up my, my other band and uh you know you haven't said anything and he's like oh no 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 I uh I put all of my music into an iTunes library and I put it on shuffle and I just wake up in the morning and I go down the road that it takes me and I was like that is so cool I was like what a way to do it because you know I love music so much I think what would a Van Halen album like Fair Warning what would it be like if you just put it on Shuffle I'm just talking like I had to think back then when Shuffle was introduced to me through him and Mm -hmm. sure enough like two years later he called me just randomly and I was like what's up man you know and he's like I'm on the subway or something like that. I remember Subway, and he said that he heard the song Sunday, and that's one of the songs on my album. He's like, it came up today in the shuffle. What a wonderful song. And we went into it. We talked about it for (laughs) quite some time. So that's kind of how I do it. I get on something on YouTube, and hopefully it'll kick me to something else and kick me to something else. And most times it just does. It just – and sometimes I gotta turn it off because it goes somewhere. Like I'm like, where did this wind up? But no matter what, it will wind up on my dumb face. It'll be there, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, what yeah. are you talking about? Get out of here! So I like that too, and it's a it's a yeah. breather. And I I th- I think it's okay that I'm not a big fan of the internet and TV and the phone and all that. You know, I grew up without all that stuff, so you know, it's still sort of a deterrent from the things I need to get done, you know, because so many people are on it, but I do believe, Mm -hmm. you know, get busy with change or get busy being left behind. I mean, that, that's a reality. So I do my best and I try to glitch out everything I'm on to get the most satisfaction artistically out of anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. Well, do you mind me asking you a question?
1: Please, please. God, I love it when people ask me questions because it's like, you wouldn't even believe all this stuff I do with my, this. this, this. I don't know if people know what I'm doing, but like, it's interesting to me to, to, to listen and watch people try to figure out what I'm doing here. But yes, please ask me a question. Not enough people ask me questions while we're having these conversations.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I have a couple, but I'll start off with one. Um. Just how did you guys, when you first started the band and and when, let's say, um, when your first single was released or within the first couple of years of your existence in the public eye, how did you guys deal with kind of this backlash of people saying it's too aggressive, it's too angry or, you know, or just, you know, the general issues that some people have with just heavy metal as a, as a genre or a culture in terms of the band and, or even just yourself, how did you deal with this resistance? Cause I know that you, you had previously said, you know, um, excuse my language, but you know, fuck all y'all in terms of, you know, people are going to love us or hate us. And that's the way it's always been. But being a young man and dealing with this kind of resistance to the music that means so much to you, how did you deal with that?
1: Well, I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, first of all, I was brought up to not give a fuck what anybody thinks in this world. Right. And the reason why is because I'm human and you're human and the guy that's bullying me is human. The guy that's seven foot tall and 350 pounds bullying me and wants to whatever you know, unfortunately, if it has to get physical, he can go down just like I can go down. These, these are the realities right. of life. These are the realities mm-hmm. of life. So what What really turns me on is that I love epiphanies. I love watching the light bulbs go off in front of people's heads because I don't judge. I don't. So the thing mm-hmm. is, is I'm not the guy who goes, I told you so, I told you so, I told you, ha, 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 ha. No. I'm the guy that stays the course. I'm here waiting for the light bulb to go off on your head, and I'll be there when I see it. I'll see it. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need, because knowledge is something you give, and my band's the best band on the the fucking planet, period, to this day. Mm -hmm. That's what I said then. That's what I'm going to say now. You know why? What difference does it make? You know, people are going to hate on me. They're going to hate on the band. They're going to hate on the genre. They're going to hate on my hair, my eyes, my shoes, my family, my name, the way I talk, what I say, what I write, what I do, how I sleep, so on and so forth. Back to our 50%. I knew the 50% then. So if you were doing an interview with me and you wanted to bring your wise game and you think you're going to get through it, I'm going to call it out for me. So Mm -hmm. if it's game playing, I'm going to be rough because what difference does it make? You know, you're it's, I call it like the morning radio show complex. I mean, I'm not even going to do it because I don't even want to hear myself act that way. But like, if you've ever done morning radio, Mm-hmm. You just know, like it's just overamped. It's just insanity because the general public is on radio. What is the biggest piece of rock and roll pie? Radio. Why? It's community. Mm-hmm. It's still to yeah. this day, radio is so important to music. Period. Because it's community. Don't drive down this highway. There's a fire. There's a two-car piled up. Here's the new one from Whitesnake, you know, or whatever, only because you brought them up. So yeah. <laughs> my thing my thing is is that I, I'm not going to listen to people be amped because their bosses or their editors or their people want that for the general people that can't think beyond themselves that just want that. I mean, there's all these hypotheses that prove what people can handle and do and want. That's cool. I know that. I know for a fact what people want, and I know for a fact the majority didn't didn't want us. I like that. I like that. Bring Mm -hmm. it on, because when the light bulb goes above your head, oh, it's so much satisfaction for me. It's not anger. It's not prejudice. It's not getting even. It's not a threat. It's not competition. It's fucking human. The bottom line is my band is the shit and nothing you're going to say is going to change my mind. Don't care. Mm. You know what I mean? That, right. that, that's how I dealt with it. It's a big joke. I love watching people come at us. I'm like, here we go. This is going to be fun. Hey clown, what's your favorite sport? Slipknot. Hey, Clown, seriously, who's your favorite home run hitter? Slipknot. Keep asking me sports questions because Slipknot is my only sport. So, if this is a sport interview, I don't know who gave it to you, but Slipknot. Is the interview over? Thank you. Have a nice night. Enjoy the show. See what I'm saying? Like They're just there for the bullshit, so I'll be here for the bullshit too, right? But Mm -hmm. a lot of it was just look. I'm probably the biggest Slipknot fan there is. And that's why I love our fans so much because I'm them and they are me. And I got bullied and picked on for what I liked and the music. And I just looked at people and be like, what are you going to do? Beat me down? You know, like what? No, this is me. So fortunately, I had that pillar of staying the course and that strength for my attributes and my assets. Fortunately, uh, my parents gave me that, you know what I mean? To, to just do that. And I do realize I have a lot of friends who can't stand tall through things and it's hard, you know what I mean? So <clears throat> I'm not trying to come off too strong, but I do because man, everyone was like that. It just, I could call out so many band guys, they just talk shit to my face when we were nothing, just literally just condescending me right to my face. And I would just, I would listen, you know, I would listen because knowledge is something you give. And they were definitely giving me knowledge by begrading me. Just made Ooh. my fire that much more, made my fire yeah. that much more believable. I don't need a fire to take over. This isn't get even day. That's where we all go wrong is get even day. That's that's you got to kill them with kindness, not with fire. You got to kill them with kindness, you know, so I just listen and just listen and remember. And then we have the conversation 20 years later, and it's a much different conversation. But you know what? I still give a hug, ask how they're doing. We don't bring up that conversation. It's all good for both of us. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. Well. You're a better person than me. <laughs> but, I, but I think that's where, where you, I mean, that's where personally I'm trying to get to in terms of, I, I, yeah, I don't believe in revenge. Um, I believe in the best, you know, I guess the best quote unquote revenge you can have is just to continue on and do the work that you want to do regardless of, you know, whatever is thrown in your way. Because I know the feeling that if you, if somebody tells you you can't do something, um, I know that, I know, I know how that feels. And I also know how it is when you consume that, when you say, well, I guess I, I can't, you know, I, I guess I can't do this because this person that I respect or trust could be a family member or a good friend told me that I'm not very good at it, you know, and, so I am I, I would say I'm 90% there in terms of just saying, well, the best, you know, the only thing I can do because I believe in emotional energy and I believe in um, maintain or retaining as much emotional energy than I can instead of expelling it, especially towards people that are just not worth it, you know um but you are i i really i really like what you said about you know like if somebody you know said something to your face and you can come back years later and have a conversation because you have that sense of self you are proud of what you do and you know that the product that you are creating is a valuable one i think that's a really good lesson for a lot of people and you're right a lot of people might not be able to do that, to, like, rise above the prey or rise above the negativity. But we really have to, especially as creative people, we have to, and we always have to have, um, you know, a really good sense of self. Like, my book, I, you know, when my book first came out, I was like, my book is my child. You know, and I protected it like my child. I defended it like it was my child. Um, I don't know if I feel the same way anymore, um, but I do feel very passionate about what I do. And but I man, I got a lot of shit for the work I've done, and I really had to dig down inside of me and just say, but this is what makes me happy. I'm doing. I'm you know I love the people I've met within the scene. Um, I have very good friends with the this, this, this scene, and I have people that support me, and that's what I had to really focus on, instead of like focusing on the people who were saying, you know, you know, as a black woman, you're not supposed to be doing this, or what do you know? You don't have the capacity to understand the music, or you know, whatever was out there. Um, you have to be able to rise. See, I hear,
1: or, I hear something like that. I got to read between the lines, right? So I hear someone says. I I hear you say that another human being says you don't have the capacity to understand that. And see, that's when I just listen. And I don't smile condescendingly. I'm like, this is what I need to learn. I need to listen to this person talk because this proves I'm where I'm at. This proves I'm actually doing what I need to be doing. And I'm going to come back on this path and we're going to re unite and this person will have grown hopefully Mm -hmm. this person will have grown or had that epiphany and may not even know where we were on this path and we'll be right back here but it'll be a better day because that's just i guess as we call it i mean i look everyone's different Everyone, it's all one blood. I love that saying, always have, you know, it's always, you know, let's get down to the fuel that's full of oxygen that actually fuels these brains and hearts. It's That's what's up. So I know I'm different than you and you're different from the next person. But when I hear something like that, I'm just like, geez, I'm like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I want to say all hope is gone for that person, but I believe in hope, you know, always have, I'll go on the record to say that, but, um, you know, you, you, you know, you just very interesting. I'm, I'm sorry. I went on that, but man, you don't have the capacity. What does that even mean when it comes to music? What does that even mean? I mean, music has no eyeballs for anything. It's audible. First of all, it's audible. It's audible. It's for everyone. It's for everything, including plants. My dogs mm-hmm. love fucking music. Love it. Require it. My one pit bull comes downstairs and watches me play drums. Loves it. As long as I play dra- jazz and like blues and stuff, you know, nothing too hard on her ears, but she loves it. So anyway, sorry to get off on that, but that's, that's just crazy. Don't have the capacity. That's a really strange one.
0: Well, when you say that, like, music, like, we all need music, you know, not just as individuals, but everything. You know, if for plants, you know, if you play classical music for plants, they will grow. You know, I think that one of the issues is within the music industry is that because music is so categorized and and because music is known for, you know, cultivating or shaping one's identity, that we do it's 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 of ease that somebody can say that because they can they feel very comfortable in terms of let's say putting a barrier around heavy metal for instance and not wanting people to come into that bubble because it might ruin kind of the emotional or psychological effects that metal has within them you know they have to keep it pure in their mind and they're very resistant to having anyone who doesn't look the part enter that space. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with, um, you know, categorizing or like controlling people through what they listen to, or what they enjoy, or how they play. And it's all about control. Um, So you're right, in that particular case, that person was projecting something on to me, that luckily for me, I was able to say, well, that's on you, son. You know, that's your issue. Because until you give me some legitimate reason as to why I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, why would I listen to your, I mean, I'll listen to your opinion, but your opinion means nothing. Because what you just said to me doesn't make any fucking sense. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, totally. I I always laugh because there's this hierarchy belief system of what things are but you just have to look in between the lines like labels they're not labels they're banks that's that's a brainwashed thing everybody who gets into the business like i need a label what you need a bank for a loan okay Mm. so Mm. don't get mad at the label for selling albums you asked them to okay if you didn't sell them it's because people chose not it's really not anybody's fault could be the wrong, wrong time could be anything. You asked the label to sell, you asked the bank for some money and sell some albums and hopefully they did. But I always laugh because of these these names. Metal. Like I don't like that name. I don't I don't like the word metal because it's too much of a classification like you said. Like mm-hmm. is the guy who works at Wells Fargo who golfs every day? Is he expected not to love metal? I just can't tell you how many of those people I know, and they're right. more diehard metal. They're more. They go to church. They got the 4.5 kids. They they you know they they do the job. They PTA whatever. More metal than people that have mullets and jean jackets and this and that. So I don't really like names because it just separates all us to begin with because it's all pop. It's all pop to Hmm. me because it's pop culture. If you can say the name in a different city, if you can say a band's name in a different city, it's pop culture. So it's just that. You know, labels, banks, you know, they classify us, keep us down, keep us here. But, you know, we pay the janitorial bills, at least. We pay something at the big labels, but Mm -hmm. they do classify it. And then they try to make me think, well, this genre of music isn't that, this, that. They're the ones that put it in the bubble. I don't know any human being on the planet who went, let's just say everybody who went through high school. If you were 14 years old, there was a band on the radio when you were coming to school that fit the pop, hard rock, metal, whatever the hell you want to call it. There was a band. Maybe they were doing blast beats, maybe they weren't. And then four years later, when you were out in the new The new era of kid was coming in, same thing. Same thing. Every year there's a 14 year old who needs aggressive adolescent music to help them through cultural and social scenes. It'll never change. The banks know that. Mm -hmm. They're the ones separating, you know, because we're just human, aren't we? You know, yeah, I'm the clown, but I'm also a member of the human race. You know what I mean? Right. So I yeah. I get very frustrated with all all uh, labels, meaning, you know, you are this, you are that. I always, people are like, I just always say we're a hard rock band. I love rock. I'm, you know, I, I, I love metal, you know, some metal. I love blues. I love country, some country. I love all music. So I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with it. I get worked up with uh <laughs> My dreams, (laughs) my dreams these days are to get away from the bank, you know, and it's going to happen and it's going to happen and it's going to be great because I'm going to spend the rest of my life away from those classifications doing exactly what I want to do, which is pure art with no suggestions, with no help. And if I fail in their eyes, so be it it'll be a happy success failure. It'll be bittersweet in my mouth, you know? So I just care about the the fans and what we do when we're together. And the the business can sometimes really deter me away from my love of the art, but I do both. I I walk hand in hand with both. So I have a million seems like label friends and, and people, unfortunately a lot of them just come and go, you know what I mean? So it's impossible to, like, keep a relationship going with someone in power at a certain place because in, like, two years, they're working at Wells Fargo or a Dairy Queen. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm still doing my thing, but most people I knew from the beginning, they're all gone and doing different things.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Did you, uh, like, when you're when Slipknot first came out, were you at... Any time surprised at why the fans were gravitating towards you? Um, in terms of being able to kind of pinpoint an emotion that Slipknot was giving and they were latching onto it. Like did that kind of surprise you at all in terms of
1: No, it's never why it's never people? surprised me. No, it's never surprised me for one I'm not trying to be cocky either. I'm just I mean, honestly, We're one in the same. So the bottom line is, if if a true Slipknotian is 100% a diehard and stays with us, which they do, that's why Mm -hmm. I refer to them as maggots, because they grow wings and they fly off to their own lives. And we are very fortunate because they fly back. And right, they still right. spend time with us. They may be married and have kids and don't even listen to aggressive music anymore, but they still fly back and say hello and adorn their lives with us because it's part of my life. So what it is is that as long as I'm telling the truth, there's no surprise because I get up on stage and I give 190% of myself, even if I'm sick I'll look at the fans and go, I was horrible tonight. I did the best I could. It wasn't the best performance, but I promise you I tried. That's the truth. As long as Mm -hmm. the truth stays there, it's not a surprise that it's happening. You know, the minute we get clouded or it gets diluted or that corporate world, whatever it is, whoever they are, however they are, they're not all bad, you know. It's not all bad, but you have to stay on. You have a duty to yourself to to stay true to what it is you think. You know, it's that, uh, what is it? There's two voices in your head when you're on the side of a, uh, with, you and I are on the side of a mountainside and we're looking down at the ocean. There's two sides going through your head. There's, there's, I could jump or I could push, I could push him or I could jump. You know, there's these voices in your head that go through that are not controlled. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I have voices all the time testing me what the truth is. You know, it could be, it could be monetary. I think most people always think it's business and monetary. No, with me, it's almost strictly spiritual on a 24 hour day these days it's literally correcting my moods treating like like my marriage I've been married almost 30 years and I almost don't believe it anymore because we are just two people that decided to live with each other we have dedicated ourselves to each other two humans marriage isn't supposed to work I don't think you know uh there's no husband duties. There's no wife duties. <laughs> we are two human beings that decided to live together, to be together, to to live our lives, you know, together. And I guess that's the truth. So, you know, I have business decisions that hit me all the time. I have things that could excite me, but then I could say, oh, this is a false this is a false, you know, this is something that could hurt me later. And same with spiritual, spirituality and mental and physical. When COVID hit, the first thing I did, I got off a tour, and we were supposed to go to Japan in a couple of weeks. First thing I did was go, okay, I'm going to be manual. I'm going I'm to haul logs and cut trees, and uh, I got I to gotta keep in shape. Because if I sit around and play World of Warcraft, which there's nothing wrong with playing World of Warcraft, everybody. I love it. I play it all the time. I'm just saying, I could get lost in that world. I could just get in there and stay there for months. And I chose not to do that, and I'd go outside and fix up my yard. So that's how I dealt with it, you know, and that's how I deal with, there is no surprise. I just stay true to myself. And because I do, there's a lot of happiness. You know, they, I've always believed we don't preach. We don't really talk about religion. We don't talk about politics. We just, if we did anything, it's don't ever judge me. And I just really believe that's why we're, we have our culture because they can rely on us. They might not like everything I do or I say, Mm -hmm. but they're like, at least he's being true to himself. And in these days, in these days, I'm so offended with all of us that even comedians are being corrected Humor humor is being corrected because it's too personal. That means we're all fucked up. That means all of us are fucked up if we can't take jokes. You know, we invented jokes, we can't take them because they're too personal. So, I get tested like that all the time, but you know, it's just it's truth and I say it windedly and this long because Lots of friends, lots of people having a hard time right now, and and, and I have my hard time, you know, and uh, I guess that's how I do it. I'm so blessed to be a part of the the culture we are, you know, and it's always been great from day one till now. It's been the same. It's never changed. So we're just Mm -hmm. extremely lucky.
0: Yeah.
1: You
0: know, one thing um, I find interesting about Footnot is that... um, I you know I've interviewed a lot of young people um a lot of young black people who are into metal and they start you are the first band that they discovered and it's all for that reason it was there was the first time people listened to a band that actually acknowledged something about the human condition that they were feeling that they couldn't feel That they could express. So, from listening to, let's say Iowa, you know, um, a lot of the kids that I interviewed over the years, they were like, you know, I was an angry kid and I was dealing with this, and I and I couldn't talk to my parents. And they found that the music, there was something in the music that made them feel like how they were feeling was okay, and it didn't matter what color they were, it didn't matter. What you know, whether they were rich or poor, or living in the suburbs, or you know, um, whatever, they felt that as an individual, this band spoke to them, and I, I always found that fascinating. In terms of kids who were, might be listening to hip hop, but they heard Iowa and they were like, "There's something different here. There's something that taps into that human condition." Um, that speaks to me like nothing else has spoken to me before. So it's interesting in terms of the popularity um, and the success of the music, but also the success that you have had in just acknowledging, maybe even subliminally for you, and acknowledging to young people especially, you're okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel alone. You know,
1: but you can get through it. Most importantly, it's okay to be human. Right. We're so angry. Everyone's so angry. They have been. It hasn't changed. Today is no different than 20 years ago. It's just that it's in your face. I mean, all these issues have been going on since life started. None of us that live today would want to live in the Middle Ages. We just couldn't hang. I mean, they just pull you out of your house and hang you on a tree.
0: You know, they pull mm-hmm. me
1: out, go, this guy thinks he's a magician. Boop, dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, nothing has changed. We've just gotten more, we've got more of an ability to hide behind things that protect us from getting called out from the truth. that animal kingdom I'm talking about. You know, mm-hmm. my thing is, it's like, look, I'm going to say what I want, I'm going to be who I want, but... I'm not going to be who I shouldn't be. I'm not going to do what I shouldn't. I'm not going to ask for what I shouldn't have. I'm I'm going to be what I know I have to be, which is just, it doesn't feel good to be a liar. It doesn't feel good to be a cheater or a stealer. They're all the same thing. You know what I mean? So maybe subliminally we were, but you know, Music doesn't have eyes for wrongdoing, you know, it's for everyone. Vibrations for everybody, energy, all that, you know, so I don't know. We could talk for hours and hours and hours on that one. I'm just, I, I, all I can really say is that I don't think about it too much because I'm just very lucky to have been in the generation I was in and being given the chance to have somewhat of a voice to at least help bring people together that's all it is but at the same point there's also the other side that that I'm still fighting and when I say fighting it's more with love and knowledge these days but in the early days it was just straight up fights you know what I mean it was very hard to stand tall but um Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I just answered anything or not. It's typical clown bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, that That's what I'm talking about. Somehow, I'm gonna, luckily, it's not being filmed because I would get on. I'd be checking out Fever Ray or some band that I like or some obscure video by, you know, Genghis Tron or something. And then, boom, there'd be me going, blah, 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 you know. And I'd just be like, got to go. <laughs> no, but it's all good. Well, um, I was gonna tell you this uh when the interview was set up uh they um the office uh the people that helped me you know set up this stuff they they did make me aware of your book um there is no way possible I was gonna have time to finish it, collect it in my brain and download it enough to like really give it you know that moment, but I'm gonna check it out for sure. I just need to give myself a little time or whatever, but, uh, I hope that is that, you know, let's spend just a moment on that. And then, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a whole day for us here. So, you know, I'd like to keep it around this time, but tell me a little bit about your book. Uh, what's going on there.
0: Okay. Well, um, the book is, what are you doing here? A black woman's life and liberation. Um, I originally, it was originally published by a bazillion points in 2012. Actually on Monday of this week we the second reprint is out, which is uh you know, a little bit more revised and updated than the first uh you know, version that came out almost eight years ago now. Um, but basically it's just really looking at the experiences of black women in heavy metal hardcore and punk. Um instead of and it's kind of focused on what I, you know, it's trash Part memoir, um, probably a little less memoir than some people would appreciate, but what I was really interested in doing was, you know, interviewing a number of women um, and industry workers, um, and just kind of talking about, you know, what draws them to, you know, heavy music, um, and also issues of sexuality, issues of race, issues of class, and Uh, really a lot about the industry itself in terms of you know why people should or why heavy metal or hardcore punk or any kind of heavy music is actually a really good theme for black women to get into and the reason is it kind of goes back to my question to you about um, you know fans and Slipknot is that you know growing up for women, especially, you are told that you're not supposed to be angry, or you are told that by demonstrating your anger um, within a public space is, you know, inappropriate for a woman to do. And when you're dealing with uh, racism and sexism, but also growing up in an environment where we do have all this, um, these access to different, you know, myriads of different styles of music. Um, Why is it that black women are kind of shut out of these heavy music genres? So it was asking a question, but it also was about really seeking liberation and freedom through the music, through the scene. And my argument is that um, primarily the underground scene, I'm personally really interested in kind of like the extreme underground scene, but really trying to argue the point that it is a sense of freedom. Um, that there is something about the, the combination of the music and the combination of the scene that actually allows participants to be more free and to be able to, um, to self to be self-expressive in other genres. Sorry, to be more kind of expressive and be seen as an individual versus other scenes of music. Um, One thing that I was really interested in was kind of like why the the racialization of genres. And so why is it assumed that all Black kids listen to hip-hop? And what happens when a child or a kid is like, but, you know, I was raised on the radio, as you said. Like, you know, I was raised on public radio. Um, And I was, you know, I had access to all these types of music from Michael Jackson to... Um, ACDC, and I didn't understand as I got older why people were telling me that I wasn't black enough because I preferred ACDC over Michael Jackson. So I wanted to find a, you know, a group of women or a collection of people that had the same experiences, put it into a book, and also just try to create something where a kid who is listening to vinyl in their in his or her uh, bedroom and ashamed of what they're listening to or what they're into, just to try and give them something where they they realize or they understand that they're not alone. And so through this eight-year journey, since the book was originally published till now, it's been fascinating how many people I've been in contact with over the years who have been like, um, I don't feel so alone anymore because people are ashamed of um, doing something that is not commonly thought that their ethnicity, their gender should be doing. So this book is kind of challenging that and trying to encourage people just to be themselves and to participate in whatever spaces and places they want to, and that they can add and complement these spaces versus what we are told, which is that we don't belong in these spaces. So that's basically the book in a nutshell.
1: Gotcha. I like that. I haven't really thought about that word, ashamed. I tried to apply that to myself with being a young man, discovering film, fiction, all that. I hadn't really thought about that word ever. I'm going to think about that and see if maybe I had ever felt that way about something. I've always been sort of full on, but again, again, this world, everyone needs to recognize people's strong points and recognize the the fragileness of people's weak points instead of uh, devouring them. So mm-hmm. uh, one thing I like to tell everybody that I talk to is I always want to return this and pick up a conversation again, hopefully in person and build on what we built on. So next time we talk, um, I'm, I can't promise because I never know what's going to happen, but um, I'm going to get most of that book down in me so I can um, be able to, you know, further that conversation about that. Maybe you'll think about what we've been talking about or whatever, and we'll just pick it up.
0: Definitely. i love that.
1: Well, you have a great day. Thank you for sharing your day with me. and try your hardest to go out and get that space today. Get that (laughs) that (laughs) space. And and if you can at all, don't worry about the first person that asks you, get up in a tree somehow. Just get up (laughs) in a tree on a branch, have your friend get you up there, stand on a branch, hug the tree, have a conversation, feel the strength, look at things differently, think of clown. And I will go down a wormhole and uh, check out some things with you. I'll, I'll, get, I'll go down a wormhole tonight in your world and just, like, sift through it. And then not long, long from now, uh, we'll get back on and we'll continue this. So come up with more questions, and I will as well. And you have a great day.
0: Great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really love this conversation. And, yeah, hopefully I'll well, see you, you again soon.
1: No, you, you will, because that's all this is about is two people who absolutely don't know each other getting on a communication device and just going wherever they want for any reason without anybody telling them where they need to go. And that's really what I'm just trying to prove is that we can do this. All of us can do this. You know, so it's just my little bit of trying to help, I guess. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. You have a great night, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Okay, take care.